I lived in a, a caravan parked out the back of my mother's house for a good, <laughs> good bunch of years. I read that, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I could run a business from that situation. But in my mind, I'm going $1,000 a day. That's what I'd like to make. But it's really that level of $1,000 a day, 30000 a month, where you can do anything that most society on this planet will permit. We stand today. The Business Method. With a shout out. The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their online and location-independent business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that had built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we are interviewing 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that generate a million dollars or more in annual revenue. There's a growing movement of people building these caliber of businesses and we are getting behind the minds, the logic, and the science of what it takes to build businesses like this. On top of that, we also gather entrepreneurs at events and retreats around the world. This October, we are having our annual event in Thailand. Get shit done live. It's 10 days of high performance productivity, targeted collaboration, and rapid execution designed for entrepreneurs to get a lot of work done in a little amount of time. Some say it's like 10 months of work in 10 days. There's a magic that happens when brilliant minds come together to push one another towards productive execution. That is exactly what this retreat is about. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That is thebusinessmethod.com. Now, let's jump in today's show. The Business Method. Hey, listeners, welcome back to the show, and we are really excited to introduce today's guest, Yaro Starek. Yaro has been in the online world since... Well, since there was an online world to be in, he started his first website back in 1998. Since then, he's been selling online, building websites, selling websites, starting one of the original magic online communities, starting one of the original blogs for entrepreneurs, starting the first podcast on entrepreneurialism back in 2005 before the word podcast was even officially used, getting to interview Tim Ferriss and Lewis Howes, which is still running today, starting one of the first online communities for entrepreneurs and helping thousands of entrepreneurs grow over the years. During the show, I recognized one thing. Yaro was a front runner on the break of many of the online developments that are now an everyday part of our lives. In many ways, regarding the online world, he is as seasoned as seasoned comes. And we chat with him about his thought process about getting on the start of new online trends and technology that has made him wealthy, successful, and a go-to name for the online and digital nomad world. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an epic interview i highly recommend everybody listen to this one yaro starik entrepreneurs systems methods tools and tactics and listeners i'm really excited to welcome yaro starik to the show yaro i am really excited to have you on how are you doing my friend I'm good, Chris. I, I appreciate the excitement, despite your your <laughs> lack of sleep. I can see you're you got to push on. <laughs> yeah, I was telling Yaro before the show, guys, that um, I woke up at like four this morning and I couldn't go back to sleep, and um, so I just started journaling. And then I was like, "Well, shoot, these are such great ideas. I'm going to start working on them." And um, so I'm really focusing on 
um, deep concentrated work. I met a, a guy recently that sold a business for a hundred million dollars and I went to his presentation. And one of the things he said at his presentation, he said, um, you have two hours of deep concentrated focused work you can do every day. You need to be fucking ruthless with your time. And it really kind of hit me. And I was like, yeah, that's a really good point, And I'm not that great at it. So that's what I did this morning. Anyway, uh, so it's going to be 4 a.m. for your <laughs> every day now, huh? No, no, definitely not. So, man, I'm really, I'm glad to have you on the show. We were introduced from James Shramko and uh, for, also a guest on the show. And I started, um, I actually listened to your podcast you had with him and I started uh, learning more about you. And you have quite an amazing uh, history in the location independent digital nomad world. And so I'm excited to talk about that because we get people that have experience, you know, seven years or so, but you've been kind of in the laptop lifestyle for, I don't know, when would you say you officially started? Well, it's tough to answer that one. I, I wanted it from the beginning. <laughs> you know, I was, this is like before Tim Ferriss made that kind of idea popular. Um, you know, actually a good seven years before that, that was my goal was freedom first, travel first, um, you know, make sure I have enough money. But I couldn't stand that idea of creating a business that would end up being longer hours than a job, which is unfortunately what I saw all my entrepreneurial friends at the time. You know, if they had like a restaurant or an internet cafe or something like that, that they seemed to work harder than an employee. So it was like you had to dodge two bullets. Don't get a job, but don't build a business <laughs> that's worse than a job, you know? So. Right. That's a great point. So, so your first entrepreneurial venture, what year, did you say 1998? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I very fortuitous timing. I was turning 18 in 1998, so the Internet was becoming you know, a place for commerce. That was sort of the start of the dot-com boom, and here I am looking for what to do with my life sort of questions. You know, um, Not that I figured it out at 18, but I did start playing with the Internet. Uh, actually, thanks to my university, they gave me a, a free dial-up account when I enrolled in a business management degree <laughs> at the University of Queensland, which you probably would know of, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my first Internet access, actually, because we didn't have it in my, my home. Uh, I grew up playing Nintendo and Sega. We didn't have a computer. So uh, like that was my dial-up access. And I kind of you know played around with it for a year, and then eventually I built a website. That was sort of like the... I guess the natural stepping stone. Uh, of course, back then, that first website was on the, the GeoCities platform for the, the really old people will know what that is. Um, <laughs> it was a basic web building tool, like like think of Wix today, but very, very rudimentary. And I built it about a subject that at the time uh, I was very much interested in called uh, Magic the Gathering. It's a card game that yeah. I started playing at 16. So. You might have heard me talk about that on the podcast before. And uh, I loved that game when I was sort of 16, 17, 18. It was, it's a competitive game, but it's also got dragons and elves. It's a card game, but it's, it actually has a, a tournament series. Um, not quite the same riches as poker, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, when you're 18 and you can win yourself uh, like top prize at, a, at the biggest tournament is like $40,000 US back then. So you know, people played it for a career, not, not a lucrative career, but they could make a living if they were in the sort of top 20, 30 players in the world. I never quite got that good, but I, I did manage to get heavily involved in the tournament scene in Australia. And that 
because of that, it made sense that my first website was about this card game. And I'll be honest, though, you know, it was me just playing around with, you know, having content on the Internet. What is it like and trying to make it look good with design tools that were very, very basic. And um, I didn't see it becoming a moneymaker. But because it, it was such an amazing time on the Internet, you basically build a website and put enough effort into it. You build an audience. So I actually started uh, becoming or the site started becoming the most well-known Australian Magic the Gathering website. Wow. I bought a domain for it eventually. So, you know, became legitimate, moved away from GeoCities and actually taught myself the basics of web design, you know, HTML. This is before it got complicated with coding and programming and all that. Uh, and then I realized as my audience was growing that I could make a bit of money from it. So I started, uh, first of all, selling cards myself. So I had my own cards that I was buying and winning. And, you know, there's a big aftermarket for that game. It's a collectible card game. And then also advertising. So it was my first taste of what would eventually become a very long-term income stream with, with other businesses too, was selling banners on my website and also selling ads in a newsletter that I started sending to all the members of the forum I built. Uh, it was a trading card forum. And that actually became the most important thing I added to the site was this forum where people would buy and sell and trade and talk. And a community grew and they came back um, you know, every day. So it was this uh, sort of magnet that was independent of me, you know, user-generated content. And I, I loved those sorts of things because I loved bulletin boards back then. I loved news groups. And this was a, my, you know, my first forum that I ever owned. Didn't make me rich, but I did make sort of $500 to $1,000 a month while I was in university uh, with that business. And uh, how long did it take you to monetize it? You said selling, selling cards was the first step of monetizing that website? Yeah, I mean, it was so rudimentary. You know, I mm -hmm. literally uploaded a text file listing all the cards I had for sale <laughs> and a price. And then you stick it on the website and you, you know, you link to it from the homepage and post in the forums and uh, people start buying. I think, it, you know, I can't remember so long ago now. It was probably 98. I built the first version. 99, I got an actual domain for it. I'd say by 2000, it was actually, you know, making money. And uh, that probably around then was the peak for making money uh, before I actually got hit by credit card fraud because I, I actually went serious. I uh, I got a wholesale of rights from a, a company down in Melbourne and I started uh, buying fresh new product, unopened product at wholesale and then selling it, you know, at a markup on my on my e-commerce store before there was e-commerce stores, you know, <laughs> the basic text file. And uh, it, it, it just grew, you know, I started to sell some of the, the uh, retail product as well as the cards I had and um, but to be honest it, it was a really annoying business because I'd have to go to the post office every day and you know package all these cards up and I'd spend hours doing that and the margins were tiny so this is not something I saw myself scaling mm -hmm. to become my my full-time business I could tell this was a uh, the margins were not good enough to hire people to do the tasks that I could ever be free Plus, I actually got bored of the game. And then finally, I, I got hit with some fairly heavy credit card fraud when I naively sold some uh, rather large orders to a gentleman in Thailand over a period of six <laughs> months, um, thinking that I was actually, you know, discovered this amazing customer. And then six months later, finding out he had basically used a couple of stolen credit cards. So that was actually led to one of the most depressing moments in my life because <laughs> I... Uh, I graduated from university uh, and I had like $12,000 in chargeback debt 
owed to the the bank at the time hmm. um, and I just did not see that coming I was very naive about it and uh, yeah it was a real lesson there <laughs> when you when you had the community how large did it grow the form uh, that's a tough one. I can't, it's, it's not a large community. It never was a large community in Australia. Just, I mean, the entire playing population of, of Magic the Gathering wasn't large. I think, you know, we probably at the peak had, I'm trying to remember the registration numbers. This you're really taxing my memory here, Chris. This would be, um, <laughs> I don't know, I can't, I don't even want to throw a number out because I can't remember if we were in the thousand, probably probably not even pushing a thousand members to be honest you know we're not and this is also early days of the internet if you had three thousand visitors to your website you were a day you were doing incredibly well i think we were doing like maybe 500 visitors a day to the forum you know to my my whole website because i was writing articles and we had some guest articles and so on so but the community of magic players online i was numbered in the hundreds i'm sure it would be something like that so it not big and that was another thing i saw the limitation of this audience that being said it's actually had a rebirth the game is very popular even today and there's still a, a tournament series it's i think it's even bigger than it kind of dipped down and and it's huge again so mm-hmm. but i got bored of the game and then i eventually sold that business it's actually selling the business was a real eye-opening experience for me because i didn't even consider a website or you know a, an online business something you could sell so that was also a, a fairly big milestone for me what year uh, what year did you sell it well what happened was I by the time I'm like getting close to graduation I'm not playing the game anymore I, I sort of grew out of it uh, and then I also started another uh, website it was uh, an online essay editing company called betteredit.com mm-hmm. so I actually started out at the same time as I still had the card game business at the same time I'm still in university so <laughs> I and I built the website for for that business as well the difference was my mother and her partner started off as the first contractors effectively they were editors because my, my mother's partner was an English teacher and my mom was also very good with English academic English in particular so to put it though the story into proper context here the the kind of what was happening was the dot-com boom was happening all around me right mm-hmm. so you can kind of get a feel for it today because it's a similar story but on a it's obviously not as large as, as it is today but it was really large but it was also like cryptocurrency is today it was that sort of hyperinflated kind of large where people didn't really believe or they didn't see that was a, a utility behind a lot of these businesses but there there was there was so much money flowing around and this is when ebay and amazon started floating on the stock market and all these amazing stories came about so i was excited like i remember i got some of my friends together uh, just for like a meetup uh, at someone's house. And I said, we have to come up with a startup, get some funding and just dive into this, right? <laughs> and we threw around ideas. We had an idea for like an online retailer where you could put a little virtual doll on your computer and, and you know, it'd have the same dimensions as you and drag and drop the clothing onto it so you could see how the clothing would work. But this was in the late 90s and were, the technology wasn't even close to do anything like that. So, And then my friends all went off and got jobs. They weren't really entrepreneurial, so I kind of was the only one doing it. Um, but I wanted to do something else and obviously the magic business was you know, no longer my interest, so I didn't see it as my future. So I was looking for something else 
and I was reading uh, Yahoo back then. Everyone knows Yahoo. <laughs> it was the biggest website at the time. It was so big that I also had a print magazine uh, back then in the newsagent. And I grew up loving print magazines. So I, I bought this magazine, and in it was an article about a young guy who had started uh, an essay editing company in his Harvard dorm room. And it's a little different because in the States, you have to do an application essay to apply to get into university. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't have that in Australia, so it's not quite the same. But he he came up with this business where they would critique those entry essays. And he would hire uh, academic professors to you know basically provide academic critiques. And these people would then have a better chance of getting into university. And it was such a story. Like, I mean, the service was good, but it was also the story around the entrepreneur, kid living in his dorm, running a business. Um, and, you know, he was doing that rather than go to his classes. So he just <laughs> got so much press coverage, <laughs> plus articles, you know, like this Yahoo one. And he was starting to sell banner ads on the site, even though, you know, the site wasn't a content site, but there was so much traffic. He's doing deals in between his lectures and so on. So anyway, it was exciting. They eventually sold out, um, you know, for a couple million dollars and it was a great story. For me, I'm like, I could start this. And what happened, though, is I thought there's actually a different need in the Australian market. So I had the experience as a university student in Australia of doing a group assignment with some non-English speaking students. And I had to stay up at night late and edit our work together because we had to submit one paper as a group. And I realized that the international student who was coming from a second language English background was really struggling with academic writing. Good ideas, difficulty in, in presenting them in the sort of academic style. So I spent a whole night almost rewriting their work. And I was like, wow, if this is what they produce for all their papers. How are they getting through the degree? Plus, I know that the international students are paying way more money just to get into these universities in Australia. And they also want to make their parents happy by getting good grades. So I, I thought there's a hungry market here. <laughs> so if I can help them, you know, with an essay editing company, we could make that work. So that was the idea. And it was so easy for me to build a website. I spent a couple of nights and, and you know, put it together. Um, wrote some basic copy and then put up some posters around the campus and we eventually got our first few clients as I said my mom and her partner were the first editors now I was still in university so I wasn't in a position to sort of go hard on that business plus I had you know this card game business still going so I ended up just basically taking a pause on it myself after I built the website with my mother and her partner kind of doing whatever jobs came through. And amazingly enough, we actually, over a period of maybe one or two years where I wasn't involved, we still had a trickle of jobs. Mom's partner did the work. We eventually hired one editor to do some of the jobs. And that was because, you know, search engine rankings were fairly easy to get back then. So we got traffic from that. And uh, the posters were, you know, we had repeat customers. So, so I had that going, and I, I always knew in the back of my mind I wanted to do that as something I thought could grow into a bigger business. So what happened one day, I was thinking, what am I going to do after I graduate? And I, I obviously had this, this fraud debt I was thinking about. I had this business I thought could do really well, but I didn't know, you know, I always had those nerves. Will I make enough money to pay my bills? Um, one other thing to sort of bring up, this is when I really started studying ideas like business models, passive income, laptop lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of 
freedom type stuff. And I, the E-Myth Revisited was a hugely influential book at the time. So this editing company really represented, I thought, a great opportunity because it was based on other people doing the work. So this wasn't me going to the post office and sending cards. This was me having a, essentially an, the eBay of online editing. I own the website, but the contractors delivered the service. I could get as many customers as we could take because I could always hire more contractors. And it, uh, it was virtual, so I didn't have to be anywhere. I could run this business from anywhere in the world in my mind. So I, I got very excited about that. And then one day I was kind of crossing the street in downtown Brisbane and I thought, I could sell my Magic the Gathering website. I was like, it makes revenue. Uh, there'll be someone else who wants it. I could sell a website. And you know, that's something that I'd never heard anyone talk about. The big guys did it in mergers and acquisitions, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, companies sold. But I'd never heard of someone selling a digital asset back then. And that was very, very fresh. So, um, I gave it a go and I basically put together a portfolio kind of document talking about the business, very rudimentary, you know, Word doc. Uh, I circulated it to a few of the retail store owners in Australia thinking they might be a good potential buyer. And nothing came of that, a few nibbles, but nothing serious. Then I made a post in the forums that I owned saying, it's kind of a weird thing to do, saying I'm selling this business if anyone's interested. Or, And uh, one of the traders who actually was probably the largest trader by volume in my forum, it's a natural fit. He's thinking, I'm going to buy the site, which is my online store, essentially. So we started a negotiation, had a couple of Skype calls, and settled on a, a price. So I think 13500 Australian dollars was my my price. And that was, um, I asked for 15 and that's what we negotiated. And that was essentially three times uh, yearly profit. That was kind of like the, the mm-hmm. ballpark figure I pulled out of nowhere. And uh, yeah, the deal got done. So, you know, gave me some money to help with the credit card debt, helped with the start (laughs) of my editing company. So I graduated and went all in on growing betteredit.com. So that's that kind of brings me up until sort of 23, 24 years old. How how do you feel as a young man selling your your first business? I felt. Well, to, you know, to be fair, Thirteen and a half thousand dollars was so much money <laughs> to me back then, you know. Um, and I don't want—I think it's still a lot of money to a lot of people today too. But I, it's obviously I've, I've gone on to do much bigger deals. But that one was—it was nice. Like it really um, it, it showed me the value of an asset. Like I never thought of my online businesses as being something sellable. That was huge. Uh, it, it gave me money that I actually, I did travel with it. I went down to Tasmania, uh, with a girlfriend at the time and I felt comfortable that I didn't need to get like, you know, jobs. I, I, we were intending to get sort of fruit picking type jobs along the way, but I knew if I didn't get those or I didn't like it, there was money in the bank. So yeah, it was great. And I, I really, uh, I, even to this day, I still think of the, the sale of a business as one of the most momentous occasions uh, and one of the greatest opportunities for entrepreneurs, too, because a lot of the time the business, while it's running, might be just a basic cash flow source, you know, pay you a salary, depending on what kind of business you build. But then when you sell it, you get a nice windfall. So I, I, I'm a big fan of buying and selling businesses, which I actually did later on, too, with with websites. So Have you sold uh, many other websites? Well, yeah, I mean, to I could sort of continue the story here because uh, I eventually sold my editing company as well. So what happened? I went into essentially, you know, graduated and 
threw myself into 100% growing my essay editing company, which basically meant doing a lot of searches and optimization and putting up posters around university campuses. And it was slow, but it worked. So we started to build a, a repeat client base and uh, we hired a few more contract editors. And I eventually did a very smart thing and hired someone to take over the final step in my, my freedom goal, which was to take over the email and the customer service, which was all done by email. And that, that was a, a massive step because I, I couldn't travel. Like I had this experience down in Sydney once. I was actually down there, I think, for a might have been the very last Magic the Gathering tournament I went to. Uh, and. I kept having to dive into internet cafes, obviously this was before smartphones, mm -hmm. to process jobs that came through via email because we had a you know, fairly tight time frame to get an essay back to a student. And I, if we couldn't meet the timeline, I had to make sure I got back to them. So I would, every two hours, I'm trying to find an internet cafe and I'm like, this is not freedom. <laughs> so my return to Brisbane, after that I was like, I've got to hire someone to do that job. And that was the first time I actually took over someone to handle my email, which kind of connects to what I do today, but that's a long time in this timeline. Um, so I did that and then I woke up, I remember the, the day or you know, two weeks later after having trained my, my email manager and I woke up on a Monday and my business, there was no emails because someone else had done it. There was no task for me to do and there were sales coming in. So I was actually making money and that was the first time I you know, built this kind of passive income or close almost passive income business and uh, I had all this time in my hands and actually that's when I really had to go what do I do now <laughs> you know you you work so hard to get freedom and then you have freedom you're like okay I have to now build a life <laughs> you know <laughs> um, so I wasn't sure what what I wanted to do next and I, I have to be honest I kind of you know threw ideas against the wall tried a few other websites failed and didn't do too well I was still trying to grow my my editing company because I simply wanted more money you know I was making enough to live off like a basic sort of 40,000 a year salary, which was what I would have got as a university graduate, but mm -hmm. um, I wanted more as we usually do. <laughs> and um, that's actually when I discovered blogging. So uh, a friend of mine recommended I install a blog and use it to get Google search results to grow my essay editing company. And that sounded like a good idea, but I didn't know what a blog actually was. This was 2004. Okay. The dawn of social media, which is the dawn of blogging. And I looked at blogs and they looked like websites. They didn't seem much different from what we already had in terms of websites. Uh, the only difference I could see was people were kind of writing like a journal and there were comments. Uh, that, blogging, like people asked me why, was, why did blogging take off initially and I tell you the main difference was commenting was the first time you could interact with content directly like that with the author of content. Um, so anyway, I installed a blog on my betteredit.com website and I attempted to write about editing uh, to try and attract my, my target customer of international students and I really failed because I, I wasn't an editor. The, the topic of academic writing just bores me to tears <laughs> so it was a horrible blog subject. But in between those kind of posts, I actually wrote about the running of the company, like kind of talking about what we're doing, what we're working on and I kind of noticed I really liked talking about being an entrepreneur. So after three months, I, I shut down that blog and then I started up what I intended to be a hobby called Entrepreneur's Journey. And 
you know it was a hobby just by the the URL I registered mm-hmm. entrepreneurs-journey.com. You know, I I slapped myself in the face for choosing such a terrible domain name back then, but it was meant to be just experiment for fun behind the scenes. No one would ever read it. Kind of thing. I've got, I've got a few horrible domain names in my back pocket too, so don't feel bad. I think we all do. Well, it's nothing like. It's a horrible domain name, but it happened to become my main business for the next decade. So, you know, it's one of those things like, don't. Um, and I, I should be fair. I like the ethos of the domain name, The Entrepreneur's Journey. It was a great name for what I wanted to write about. Just really hard to spell. And it had a hyphen, which is just bad, bad voodoo for, uh, for domain names. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, installed blog software and started to just talk about being an entrepreneur. And uh, I was just dumping, you know, journal, journal writing, talking about how I grew my magic card game store, how I grew my editing company. If I had a random thought for a, you know, a good advertisement on a billboard, I'd I'd write about it. If I just read a book, I'd write about it. And uh, an audience started showing up. So this was a little surprising, not entirely surprising, because I had seen other bloggers start to grow an audience. And this is when, you know, Darren Rouse from Pro Blogger in, in Melbourne started showing up. And, and there was a few other uh, people who were demonstrating that you could make money from writing a blog. Mm-hmm. So it was in the back of my mind as a possibility. And then this audience starts to show up and I'm getting more and more comments and feedback. And it was it was so easy for me because I was just telling stories from having spent seven years running a card game business and an editing company. And uh, people loved those stories. So I just kept sharing more and more of those. And then my audience grew to the point where I said, well, I'm, I've got enough people here to potentially make money. And I knew from my previous uh, days selling advertising i could do it again on on this website so i uh, i also knew about affiliate marketing which was something that was i guess new at the time but uh, amazon made it popular the idea of getting a commission for recommending a product and mm-hmm. someone you know clicks your link and they, you get a commission if they buy it so i promoted an ebook that was my first ever experiment uh, i wrote a blog post about an ebook from perry marshall which you might be familiar with perry and uh, it didn't sell initially, but a couple of days later, I sold my first copy of this package and I made $20 commission. And within about two weeks, I'd sold 10 copies and made $200. So I'm like, wow, so if I have this much traffic and I can make $200 from one blog post, if I have 10 times the traffic, can I make $2,000 from a blog post? So I loved that idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I also um, realized there was that, that opportunity with advertising. So I started selling banners on my website. And I came up with a whole system actually for using the website to sell banners automatically, setting up um, payment links through PayPal, putting advertise here banners, creating a, a dedicated page where people could find information. Because I, I was still really cognizant of that idea of freedom. And I didn't want to have to for example, negotiate with advertisers back and forth over email. I want them to see a price, pay, set it up themselves, and I just watch the money drop into my PayPal account. So that all started to work really well. And within two years, so that blog started in 2005. By the start of 2007, I'm making as much money from my blog as I'm making from my essay editing business. And by then, I've actually started to travel a bit too. I know I went on a trip to Canada then and spent a bit of time uh, with family and Uh, That was away from Australia. I'd done that a couple of times by then. Hey guys, we're going to wrap up the first part of Yarrow's interview there and be sure to subscribe and listen to catch the next part of Yarrow's interview when we talk about how Yarrow has been on the cusp of so many online trends. It's an exciting part of the interview, you guys, and we'll see you soon. 
Hey listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our annual Get Shit Done live retreat in Thailand. Both are designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to get a lot of work done rapidly. And whether you need some personal coaching while working away at home or a retreat in Thailand where you can get out of your normal routine and surround yourself with other successful entrepreneurs, we have those options for you. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com and we'll see you on the next podcast.